I very much lived from the ego and my intention was not to be up myself or egocentric or anything like that, but that's all I knew. So I was making decisions to climb a corporate ladder very traditionally because that's what society told me was normal. And the chase was always elusive because on the outset, my life looked very good. And I kept thinking to myself, I should feel really happy about the progress that I'm making, but something feels like it's missing, right? Something feels off. And that's kind of that sort of very quiet and a knowingness from your higher self, I suppose, saying that there's more to life than the things that you do. And then when I was giving birth, I don't know if it's that I couldn't, I didn't have the energy to maintain that illusion, that facade that I created for myself, that identity. And I slipped into the space where I really, truly felt empowered. I really believed that I could do anything in that moment. So that was the first time that I had this idea that there's more to how I'm living than my identity that I'm telling myself. Life gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons, into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping limoncello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Monique Barry, welcome to The Juice with Monique Barry. How are you? Ah, oh, so much better today. <laughs> Just for context, Literally. this is take two of um, this kind of first chat bit that we do at the start. We recorded a couple of days ago and then I was listening back this morning. No, um, I warned you. <laughs> I warned you. I was like, I, I feel shit. Like I, I am not myself. And she was like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's and no then be- she <laughs> me today and she was like, yeah, it's not fine. <laughs> I could just tell, like, I think if you're, you know, there's so many people that love listening to you speak and your vibe and your energy is so infectious. And I'm just like, this is not the Monique Barry everyone knows <laughs> and loves. This is the Monique Barry that just wants to be like, stop trying to make jokes. <laughs> Can I just go back to my normal life? Leave me alone. <laughs> money there that just wants to hide under the blankets and be like fuck off world <laughs> so this is take two of this start bit we've left the rest of the conversation this um um we're using the rest of that because i think you're brilliant in that as you always are brilliant but um we thought we'd redo this part so um oh, take can i two. just share something really funny as well go you know how we always joke about i think i told you you know how we always joke about that this is my podcast and you're on my podcast <laughs> Yes. I've been getting submissions for my podcast. You've been getting people emailing you to come on my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. I've had two now and I'm like, this is not my podcast. <laughs> what to say or do with that? Like, I'm really happy that people are connecting and loving you, but also <laughs> your photo is on <laughs> My yes, it's my face. No, I'm very happy for you. I'm so supportive and happy for my friends. So I'm glad that people are resonating oh, with you. Oh, it's so easy to run a podcast when it's not yours. Yeah, you don't do any of the editing, but you show no. up with your beautiful, soulful self. So that's, you know, more than enough. Thank you. How are you now? Okay, so today, today. So mm-hmm. on New Moon, I was honestly like a wet fish. 
<laughs> today I feel myself. I feel normal. I feel bubbly. I feel uplifted. I feel, I feel good today. Why do you think you're feeling a bit, I don't even know what the word to use because it's not grumpy or cranky or off. You weren't any of those. You just weren't you. No, it wasn't. No, it's just like, honestly, I've just felt like a limp dick on, on New Moon Day. I just feel like, <laughs> I just feel like where people feel crazy around full moon, I'm the opposite. I feel great around full moon. I feel really energized, whereas new moon always knocks me for six. I'm always very tired, very lethargic. Yeah, but this particular one, I don't know if it was because it was in Leo season or whatever, but this particular one was, was hard. I went to bed and slept for like 10 hours, which That's not like you either. Not me at all. You know, I was in bed by 8.30. I just didn't want to talk to anybody. And I recorded a podcast, of course, on that day. I am not. You know, next time we have to schedule in our juice interview i'm going to check where the moon is at and if it's around a new moon i'm going to suggest that we do it another time we should just do a full we should just record around full moon anyway that'd be so true be so energizing so i'm glad to hear you're feeling better and (sighs) new zealand is back going a bit cray yeah new zealand's I don't know where I live. I live in bumfuck New Zealand. So like, it doesn't really matter. I'm full of swear words today. It doesn't really make a difference to me because my whole life is a level two. Yeah. How Your you whole life is isolation. It's <laughs> yeah. not that different. Um, yeah. That different. It just depends on the day. You know, I always say that and, um, you know, you could ask me one day and I'll be like, this is the worst thing. I'm so depressed and down. And then you can ask me today and I felt really productive. I felt really productive all week. So I've not even really noticed or missed what I don't have. And I think that's a really, uh, it's been a really monumental shift in, you know, it, co- it comes and goes, but focusing mm. more on what, paying my attention on what I can, paying attention to what I can do and what is in front of me, as opposed to all the things I'm missing out on. Although like, I just really feel like I'd love to just hang out with my friends this weekend. So that's a bit, that could be a bit tough and it's just not the same, you know, there's all these zoom trivias and zoom catch up drinks. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't, don't, worst nightmare. I don't, I'm somebody that's, I, I love texting, but I'm not like, uh, I don't speak. I don't like enjoy speaking on the phone. I, you know, I'm enjoying doing this with you because this is so enriching, but just to sit here and talk over with a glass of wine, like, Oh God, that just, even with my best friends, I'm like, they, they want, one of my best friends wanted to do, set one up recently. And I'm just like, can we just wait till it's over? Like, I just am not. propensity. Yeah. So, um, no, I'm really good at the moment. I'm personally, but, um, I, I'm very excited because tomorrow I am engaging in my first somatic therapy session. Oh, <gasps> that's right. Mm, so I'm very much excited closer for that. Much closer. I'm so excited about it because um, basically, and you know, it's probably not surprising to anybody that's listened to my podcast is that I love chatting. I'm all for, I can talk out anything. Uh, But as my therapist described to me, explained to me that um, that's about 70% of it. You know, the the other 30% Mm. of healing is very much helping to shift and release past experiences, trauma, conditioning, that resides in our bodies and the best way I can, you know, that's not some kind of spiritual abstract thing. This is proper psychological practice. And the best way I can describe it is, you know, we all have feel, you know, if you think back to certain moments in your life, 
you're probably going to elicit some kind of physical response. Your heart might start racing. You, you might start clenching. You might feel out of breath or hot or cold or, you know, it, it, but that can be something that might be triggering, but anything, even public speaking can elicit some kind of body yeah, response. Yeah, yeah. So I am. I'm excited to see what kind of actual somatic work you do tomorrow. Like mm. I'm wondering if it's movement or yelling or breath work or Ooh, I'm just. yelling. <laughs> I didn't even think pillow. of that. I don't know. I've yeah, been just doing- I'm wondering. I've been doing since you suggested it to me too, the five minute breathwork meditation each morning. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, since yeah. you said it. So I've started doing that again. But um, yeah, it could be back, I think maybe going back to the past and recounting something that might be um, triggering or traumatic for me and kind of going back through it in real time. And I think that my understanding is that that helps the body process that in real time. So I will report yeah. back as I always do with every modality. I tend to um, go and do. <laughs> so I'll let you all know how that goes. How are you supporting yourself? Um, actually interesting that you say that. Cause I did have something, I said something different the other day and that's still relevant cause I'm still doing that, but I am actually looking for a therapist at the moment. I've been kind of looking for one. I, I worked with one for a little bit, you know, I, I try and see my mentor who's my mm. meditation teacher once a month that's a given for my spiritual thing. Um, but I've been kind of wanting to work with a therapist for a while because I have a lot of childhood trauma that I just don't want to weigh me down anymore, but I've been trying some people and they're not vibing and I know, and it was so reassuring because I was listening to your interview with Lola Berry and she said, you know, you're not going to love the first therapist that you meet. And that's been my experience. You know, your first one, you're like, oh, this is so exciting. And then after that, you kind of get a sense that maybe this, they're not the right person for you. So, And then you think, oh, I can't be bothered explaining the whole story again to someone so new. Again. Yeah. I know. I you know. almost so wish you had a recording. <laughs> Just like, yeah. listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> this is my uh, pre, pre-interview with you. So Yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah, so I've been looking for a therapist and I've emailed a couple of people, but they've all got huge wait lists. I'm like, uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm just trusting that that will work out find its way to me anybody a therapist and want to be a client (laughs) just add just add it to the dms you're getting from people wanting to be on your podcast (laughs) (laughs) now i have pulled you a tarot card and you're going to really like it so again for just context moni hated the card i pulled for her the other day so (laughs) i have pulled her a new one Really? There was all this build up and then she showed it to me and I was like, like that's fucking, fucking card out of my face. <laughs> no, I don't not interested. So I when I when I propose that we re-record, I was like, would you like a new card? And you're like, yes. Um, very friendly. <laughs> so I've done that. And I've pulled you the two of wands card. And this is you went through the discovery phase and know what you want to manifest. Now you need to figure out how you're exploring all your options and carefully plotting out the path ahead, accounting for all possibilities and potential challenges. You're open to growth and exploring new territories. So long as you maintain a level of certainty that your efforts will work out in the end. When this appears in a reading, you are not yet ready to make your move. It's more important that you establish a clear plan before proceeding. Okay. I like this one. This one's a good one. Okay. You seem a lot happier. Thank you you, guides and universe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe because I was tapping into, tapping into cranky Monique. I was just giving something that (laughs) knew that was going to put her, repel her. Uh, And I pulled my, I've let, I've picked the same card again. I pulled the death card. Did you pick that again? Yes. 
Yep. I know. Crazy, isn't it? It's Crazy world of tarot. And it the thing, the interesting thing about the death card is it doesn't mean that I'm going to drop dead anytime soon. Well, God, I hope not. But um, it is actually one of the most positive cards in yeah, this will be our last juice episode. Um, it's actually the most positive card, one of the most positive cards in the tarot deck. Um, despite it being really misunderstood and feared. It actually symbolizes the end of a major phase of your life that you realize is no longer serving you and opens you up to the possibility of something far more valuable and essential in its place. It, it's telling you to close one door and open another. And even though that might feel difficult, letting go of the past, eventually in time, it will make perfect sense why you had to leave that behind. So I feel like that is very relevant for what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing right now. Yeah, I kind of love anything to do with death because I think we so Scorpio (laughs) (laughs) in a bad way that I just always think of rebirth I always Mm. think of regeneration I always think of like getting rid of the old to make way of the new that's honestly all I ever think about when I think of I think of life cycles you know like the end of something and the start of something Mm. it feels exciting to be honest you know when I pulled that I was like that feels I'm so ready for a renewal and rebirth yeah things new opportunities new people which I've honestly been feeling most of this year but um sometimes circumstances on a macro level prevent that happening you know you can't go be going out and meeting people and doing new things but um no anyway I'm very excited about that good card good cards girl thanks now (laughs) I also would like to know what you're reading watching listening to enlighten me okay well, it's not a surprise anymore because I already told you the other day. <laughs> but I'm reading this book called Ishmael and it's it's so amazing. I'm actually halfway through it now. Um, and it's a philosophical novel. It's, it's fucking stretching my mind. It's, it's really amazing. And it talks about a uh, human being captive to mother culture. It talks about how we're destroying the earth without with knowing that we're doing it, but feeling like we have no option. It talks about us being stuck in these like patterns that we've been told. It's just so good. And it's told from the perspective of a gorilla. And I just, it's just, you, you have to read it to understand, but really honestly stretches your mind. It really does. It blows your mind. I love it when you describe it. It sounds like such an incredible book. So it's fiction. It is. That right? It's, it's fiction yeah. with philosophical. Um, well, obviously it's such a yeah, dumb question. Obviously for me. Gorilla like, doesn't- Talk. <laughs> it's such a stupid question. No, it's real life. <laughs> I know there's actually a gorilla that does it. It is actually really happy. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's a freaking it's the one of the most interesting books I've read in a very, very long time. Mm. Yeah. I'm laughing because when you filled this in on Wednesday when you were cranky, the watching part just says nothing. <laughs> it's really blunt nothing. So has that changed? You watching anything that you want to share? <laughs> I'm still not watching anything. <laughs> That's fine. You just feel more upbeat that you're not watching anything now. <laughs> yeah, it's not like nothing. No, nothing. Uh, Next. Honestly, just like anything lighthearted at the moment. I I said same thing applies. Like I just I'm feeling over bombarded with information. So I'm just enjoying watching funny shit, funny memes, like anything lighthearted movies, just like nothing that requires any brain prowl. Yeah, totally. And then, oh, listening to? Yeah, listening listening to. to. Yeah, (laughs) go. Um, I'm listening to, I'm really enjoying listening to a podcast called Authentic Sex. And especially like the ones about 
sort of like that challenged my mind about sexuality. Um, I just find them really interesting to listen to people's point of views and a psychological, psychological thought behind things. And there was another one that I was telling you about that was the, it's on a podcast called the deep and she interviews a dominatrix. Fuck. It's so interesting. It's That's so amazing. good. I really want to listen yeah. to that. I think it's called the mistress or something like that is the episode name. But um, she's like built a house custom for her submissives. It's insane. That's amazing. It's insane and very Scorpio. And like, and people really like, yeah, very people really like some interesting things. Mm, oh yeah, I love that. Well, I don't love it. Well, I'm I love that your <laughs> own things, but I love that recommendation. No, I love interesting. <laughs> I love different things. <laughs> Good on them. Um, I am reading Desire Map by Danielle Laporte, which you have notified me that everyone already knows about so i didn't i thought i'd discovered something really new and groundbreaking this is my alter ego money that's like that's not even <laughs> yeah it's like everyone already knows about that don't suggest that um, no i well i hopefully most of you haven't as well so my recommendation isn't redundant but it is about looking behind the the feelings that we're chasing the reasons why we do things it, is usually to chase a feeling. Um, and an example she uses in there is say, if you were, if you went to law school to make your parents happy, you would be hoping to make them proud and that would give you happiness. But what she breaks down is that we need to go deep, go within journal and figure out why we're chasing the feelings that we, we, we want to feel and how I guess we can reach those feelings and apply them to our life in a really sustainable kind of healthy way um, and build our life around the feelings that we want to feel as well. So it's also got a big journaling part, which I haven't got to yet, but um, to try and break down those concepts. So I'm reading that. And then my listening to is, which is really, yeah, I'm still, it's still the same. I'm, I loved my interview with Lola Berry that came out on Monday. I really enjoyed my chat with her. She's such got such good vibe, such good energy. I learned a lot from chatting with her. I felt like a lot of her advice, advice was really applicable to our lives. So mm. I loved that. I also just finished listening to the Shameless podcast episode with Jamila Jamil. And oh, I love her. Yeah. Well, I am so embarrassed to admit that I really did not know much about her, if at all. Oh, and I kept she's hilarious. People, people kept Smart. speaking about her. And, you know, when you just feel too out of the loop to kind of be in it, so you just oh, stay shit. out of it. <laughs> I saw Shameless released an episode with her yesterday. So I listened to it last night on a walk and then I've listened to like two more episodes of her her own podcast, I Weigh, today. Um, one yeah. was with Roxanne Gay. And that was really, really, really illuminating. And um, it's really important for women to listen to about self-love and body pages epic. And yeah, it's, it's because a lot, a lot of celebrities. She's not afraid. No, and that's what I love about her. But I also sometimes there's a part of me that feels so sad that so much of our conversation as women is consumed by body image and body appearance. Like I know why it's important to speak about it. I'm so for speaking about it, but you know, this just, we spend dedicate hours to dissecting it and analyzing it and thinking about it. And in a way that men don't and would find, you know, it's so conditioned into our bones. So although I find it her really fascinating and she's, opened my mind up to so much there's a part of me that still feels sad that I just spent my one hour walk listening to this stuff because it does still matter I guess I know um, you know 
Well, that is such a good point as well, because it's such a waste of energy mm. to spend all it. Like I just think to myself, a lot of the times, like I was even talking to my friends about uh, jealousy this week and I was like, I just don't get jealous. It's not part of my experience because, and I was just thinking about how much people can, sh- how much time mm. and energy people spend worrying about things. And I was like, imagine if that was gone and mm. you didn't have to think about that and you didn't have to worry about those things, what you could be doing. This is what I say to myself yep. when I feel like I'm being overconsumed by a specific topic. It's just, I, that's how I feel yeah. about body image. And even like, I, you know, I try, I'm trying very hard this lockdown to eat very well and look after myself, but which is of course important, but there's so much time dedicated to thinking about it and planning my meal and keeping, you know, in line. So there would be so much more space in my brain if that wasn't so rooted deep into my bones to care so much about that in the first place. But I am human and I still do. I'm a human and I am a woman and I I still do. And um, that's still something I'm very much working towards breaking, I suppose. And then I'm watch. I w- finished watching Why Women Kill on SBS on demand. I loved that. Uh, you told me that you'd suggested for me for me to read uh, watch that. I don't remember that at all, but thank you for that suggestion. Um, it, it has the one of the most epic final episodes I've ever seen in a show. Oh, so you cannot yeah, yeah, yeah. speak. You cannot look away. You certainly would not be grabbing your phone. You know, it is just so such gripping television, and I think it's just the way the stories are all interwoven it's just really really well done so yeah they're my suggestions oh now i'm watching revenge every night i don't know if you've ever watched what it's like you know when i was 16 i don't know if it was that long it wouldn't i don't know if it'd be that long ago it's very gossip girl kind of style but you know what it was just it's just going i love gossip girl it's just going back to what you're saying like every night i just like can watch an episode i'm it's so into the storyline and I'm enjoying it. But when it switches yeah. off, it's just that light entertainment. It's not so. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't, you don't feel like watching something so deep and, you know, I don't know, expanding every, mind expanding every night. Um, and yeah. that's it. All done. <laughs> I'm done with my recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, I, before we finish this segment, I want to know what your oil of the month is, please. And thank you. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot. My oil of the month, though, I'll just riff off the top of my head, um, is I use doTERRA oils because I love them and I trust them and I've been using them forever. So I'm using one of their new blends, which I don't know why, why I haven't bought it, but I pulled it out this month. I feel like it's very relevant given the current climate of things at the moment, and it was their adaptive blend, which is not so much a calming blend, but more about instilling feelings of uh, tranquility and it's for overthinking and worrying and anxiousness. And um, I've been using that every day, every morning, just diffusing it. Um, it's beautiful. It's got lavender, copa, eva, spearmint, roly, sweet gum. It's so good. Yes. Yeah, so I've been, I've been loving that. I think that's a great August August blend. I love that. And I need that oil. I'm definitely going to put that into my next order. Thank you so yeah, much. I need something than peppermint. Oh, yes. Okay. So the story with peppermint, I've not spoken about peppermint yet. Um, you is, did in Lollaberry's one. In Lollaberry, not in this one. So peppermint oil oh, is very open. It, it opens you all up and it gives you a buzz. Like it, 
I don't drink coffee, so I imagine it's how it feels when you drink coffee. It makes you feel high and buzz. And I've been having she it each morning. She me and I was like, I'm high on peppermint oil. Peppermint oil. And I put it in my ceremonial cacao each morning, which God, <laughs> I sound like such a wanker. And it <laughs> makes me for the rest of the morning feel like I can do anything, like super you looked at her charged. right now, she looks like a crazed maniac. <laughs> yeah, that have taken like 10, 10 pills. Like anyway, so I do love my peppermint oil, but the the prop the book of prop that explains all the properties of each oil. It's like a dupper and a downer. Does explain that um, peppermint, while peppermint oil is great, it also means that you're skimming the surface of emotions. It doesn't prevent you to, from going very deep and it does can mm. be very addictive because you can become addicted to that feeling of feeling so high and buoyant every day. So you don't want to have it every day, but I am having it every day. Anyway, that's a different <laughs> topic. <laughs> so for our first discussion, we are going to deep dive into the ego versus our higher self which is a pretty massive discussion to try and um, crack into within you know, what 20 or so minutes. I'm really, yeah, it's something that's very uh, mm-hmm. prevalent in my life at the moment and, I, and why I think I feel like I'm kind of going through mud at the moment, kind of school, you know, making my way through mud because I feel like I'm shattering in my own mind the idea of what an ego is, how it served me, how it hasn't served me, how it's held mm. me back, um, how I should dismantle, I guess, the beliefs that I've attached to my ego that are keeping me small or keeping me stuck um, and also working with my ego as well because um, I, I, I think you share the same belief is that it's not something to be destroyed. It is part of us. Um, but it is also something that should be, I guess, managed as well. So, um, I'd love to hear from you. What exactly is the ego for someone that doesn't know? What does that mean? I think when we hear the word ego, we think of someone with a, you know, a big ego that is really vain and up themselves and showy and flashy. Is yeah, that what the ego is? I mean, that would be a technical definition for like egotistical um, or egocentric, which is centered around the self, the individual. It's all about me, I. But ego is really the aspect of your inner psyche that assembles an identity. It is the structure that we have formed to tell a story about who we are, um, to make sense of our experiences that were gathered into our life. It's, it's really our identity as an individual. And it has boundaries, right? There's walls that we've put around. Our ego creates walls around ourselves. It's very much that human aspect of ourself. And we hear a lot, I hear a lot of people say, you know, we need to destroy the ego and... I just, I just, I really don't believe in that. I feel that to destroy the ego or have that idea in our mind that that's the point of our spiritual work is to really like deny our own humanness. And um, there's that great quote from the French philosopher and that's that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Um, So I just, just think that this idea that we have to destroy the ego really makes really creates that same sort of like feeling that people you know are failing if they're not achieving the status of you know um, not identifying with their individuality. I suppose mm-hmm. yeah. I just feel like it creates an unrealistic 
sort of like benchmark for people to reach. What kind of, I think it would be helpful to say to, for us to maybe articulate what, the ego, the image the ego has for my ego has for me, and perhaps the image that your ego would have for you. If you were following the path of your ego, what would it have yeah. you be doing and saying and looking like I think, and acting? And I think it would like? be very fear based. My decisions would be based on fear fear that I wouldn't be accepted, uh, fear that I would be judged. So my decisions would be very based on trying to fit in, trying to belong, um, trying to make sure I get ahead. They would be, and when you start to shift away from living from that space of ego to living more into your highest or cosmic self, it starts to become very, you, you might still take the same path, but the way that you've gotten there is completely different. It's not based on fear. It's based on self-love. It's based on expansion. It's based on your truth and authenticity rather than buy into the beliefs that you've been fed your whole life that, you have to fit into a certain box in order to be accepted. And if you don't, then you're wrong. You're bad. You should feel guilty about it. You should feel shame. So a lot of the decisions we make are fear-based, shame-based. Um, they're motivated by societal beliefs that you've been fed to from your family or your peers or other community that you've grown up in. So it's really about, it's not about your inner truth. I think, um, the first time that I had an experience of my higher self, have I talked about like when I gave, when I gave birth? I don't think so. When I was like pre my dark night of the soul, which we'll get into next, <laughs> I was, I very much lived from the ego and my intention was not to be up myself or egocentric or anything like that, but that's all I knew. So I was making decisions to climb a corporate ladder very traditionally because that's what society told me was normal. You know, you get and a promotion. would have told you mm-hmm. that is the right thing to be doing. That's the right path And the more take. boxes you tick, the better mm-hmm. we're going to feel, you're going to feel. The better we're going to feel. But yeah. Yeah. And the chase was always elusive because on the outset, my life looked very good. And I kept thinking to myself, I should feel really happy about the progress that I'm making, but something feels like it's missing, right? Something feels off. And that's kind of that sort of very quiet and knowingness from your higher self, I suppose, saying that there's more to life than the things that you do. And then when I was giving birth and, and my whole life ran like that, my relationships, my friendships, they're all school friends. Uh, some of them I'm still friends with, but, um, you know, it was all just very much what I should be doing, very mm-hmm. should, should based. And then when I was giving birth, nothing was ever really about me trusting myself or following my intuition or inner guidance. Then when I was giving them birth, I don't know if it's that I couldn't, I didn't have the energy to maintain that illusion, that facade that I created for myself, that identity. And I slipped into this space where I really, truly felt empowered. I really believed that I could do anything in that moment. I didn't give a fuck what anybody was telling me to do. All I could do was trust my body, trust myself, you know, and, you know, birth. And that was the first sort of like sliver that I'd ever had experience that I'd ever had of my higher self. And so that was the first time that I had this idea that there's more to how I'm living than basically my identity that I'm telling myself. And then that became more apparent when Bowdoin was born and I became really attached to this idea of like a good mom, a perfect mom. And that's a very ego thing as well. Mm. That's what I was identifying with is like, what should a good mum be doing? 
you know, how, you know, what does a, what does a good mum think like? Yeah. Uh, how do, a good mum wouldn't be doing ABC. So I must be failing. And that's uh-huh. the thing about the ego as well. As you were saying, you were achieving so much, you know, you were hugely successful in your previous mm-hmm. job and earning lots of money and had lots of freedom and, and you're saying, but there still felt like something was missing. And I think that's because the ego is never actually satisfied. It's never no. really, you, you think once you, it make it gives you, it puts you under the illusion that once I reach this or once I have this, or once I look like this, or once I achieve this, then I will be happy. But the thing is in some, when you do do that and you follow that, once you were there, you want more. It's not enough. You're not then complete and satisfied because your house is huge or yeah. you weigh the, 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 what you wanted to weigh or you, um, you have what you wanted to have or your partner is really good looking or, you know, all these kind of external things that we think are going to make us happy. Then once we have, we're not actually satisfied. And I think that's why you see a lot of those, um, you know, people on those rich lists, those billionaires that just want more and bigger and greater. Mm. And and we sit there thinking, how can they not be happy with what they've got? Look what they've got. Um, And that's because I think it's very ego driven that we just want to keep striving for more. How do we then separate from, I guess, healthy aspiration and wanting better for our lives and um, wanting to evolve into our best selves from our ego driving us to be there versus natural, our natural evolution, if that makes sense. Um, Yes. I would say, I would say that's not the first thing that we need to um, focus on. I think that that's something that would naturally come later that, um, that we start to bring experiences into our life that are from uh, based on our higher self or based on like a collective sort of, for, for the good of the collective or, or more universal experience. I would say that the first thing that we really need to do is start to disassemble our ego structure to a degree or correct our intellect, um, a mistaken idea about how things should be. So I think an unraveling kind of needs to happen. We kind of need to offload some baggage and really start to question ourselves and critically think, is this true? Do I believe this? Is this how I want to live my life? Um, and so I think that's the first part is to correct our intellect to a degree and create some space. So noticing our thoughts, noticing when we are being ego driven and maybe like, how can we recognize it within ourselves, our day-to-day life when we might be being led by our ego? Okay. So some thoughts that you might be having would be that I need to do this. I should do this. Even though it's not coming from you, it's coming from someone else. All right. So when you start to use the word should, I would say that that's a very ego driven um, decision or pathway. And then some feelings that you might be feeling is that you're driven by fear and shame. Mm. Um, And you have that sort of like anxious kind of like heavy burdened feeling in your body when you're um, doing something. So that would be kind of like the simplest way that I could explain it. And you don't feel like you're acting. I'm trying to use this in layman's terms. You don't feel like you're acting in alignment with yourself. So you feel like I should be doing this, but I'd rather be doing this, but I better do that because 
that's what's expected of me kind of a kind of a thought process um whereas higher self when we start to when we start to question that first of all and we start to become aware of how our intellect i don't want to use the word ego but i'll use it for this but how our ego is kind of running the show when we start to tune into that start to be aware of that maybe start to even be aware of what situations trigger that like people pleasing learning how to say no learning how to say not say sorry all the time all of those kinds of That's things such are a massive thing that, for women they yeah. always are apologizing for just yeah. thing i hear it all the time and that's an ego structure, right? That's a that's that's an way that we've identified with our ego in this culture. Um, so starting to notice that and starting to correct our intellect is really really good, and then starting to tap into like the second part of that would be then starting to tap into our highest self, our cosmic self. But that's when we are when we have burdened our humanness with the heaviness of egoic expectations that we place upon ourselves or that you just think of it like um, layers. When we've layered these identities that we've placed upon ourselves, we have to pull them off because we aren't able to tap into our higher self as easily. We aren't able to tune into that subtle um, signs and stuff like that from the universe. If we are wearing so many layers that have been placed upon us throughout our life. So so those layers could be what our parents expected of us, mm-hmm. what uh, society might expect of a woman, of a woman, sorry, to how they should look, how they should talk, how should they should appear, what they should be aiming for in life. Yes. Where do, then can you break down? Because this this will flow nicely into our next topic. But then can you break down? how we then become aware of our higher self and what exactly is a higher self? Like it, you know, those terms can sound quite, and I hate this term, but woo woo, you know, is it something? Yeah. yeah, I I hate it so much. Um, cause I feel like it trivializes a lot. Anyway, that's a whole. It does. Yeah. That is a whole nother. I hate it so much, but you know what I'm trying to mean? Like those words could sound like very unattainable, I guess, for an average person might be like, what the what's a higher self, please. I mean, you could say your truth living your truth. If you don't want to be too woo woo about it, you could say your soul, you could say your universal nature. You could say whatever you want to say. You could say your highest self. If I was to describe what your higher self feels like, mm. it would feel like that feeling you go when you're out in nature, whatever scenery mm. in nature you resonate with the most for me, it's being in the forest or being around mountains for someone might be in the ocean. That really feeling of peace, calm, groundedness, that you realize that you're just a small thing, mm. fleshy blob standing on a blue and green ball spitting through the universe when you're sitting I love this nature. feeling. <laughs> I love that feeling That's so it. much when you tap into it. It's That's so <sighs> serene and it just knows that when you tap into it, it knows no matter what storm mm-hmm. is swirling around or how bad things may feel or even how great things might feel, that it is temporary that it comes and got ebbs and flows in waves mm-hmm. that it will be there sometimes and the waves might crash really hard and then other times it's going to subside. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's that it almost like I think for me, the higher self is this deep knowing that you are on the right path. Everything is happening how it's supposed to happen Yeah, and surrender to exactly how it's happening. Yeah. Because it's all, 
it's all part of divine timing. It's all part Mm -hmm. of the plan, I suppose. That's how I like to look at it. Yeah. I mean, the real journey of and purpose of life is self-discovery. It's about discovering who you are underneath all of those layers, you know, of under all of your ego structure, who am I? What is the point of me? What, what is my role in this? You know, these are the questions that people have asked for all of time, you know, what's the point of my existence? Um, and so the higher stuff, really, if you were to describe a feeling, that would be the feeling that it's really your inner being, your inner knowingness, it's your truth. It's uh, a very universal feeling like you do things because you really want to make a difference in your life, your family's life, your community's life, the world, doesn't matter. It's just a very non-individualized version of yourself because you know, your higher self is, is an extension of nature, right? It's, it's the, it's consciousness, it's the universe, it's God experiencing itself through your very human individual experience. That's what it is. How do we, how do we get into stillness and enough to be able to hear the guidance of our inner self? Because I think that's an important thing to note that the the ego is so chatty. Like you can hear that no matter what it's a racing mind. It's telling you what you should be doing. It's the the need to constantly be busy, to feel worthy. Um, That's how it can feel for me. And that can just cloud and shout over the top of your higher self. Your higher self is that, um, you know, that kind of angelic being in a room that everyone is drawn to, but they don't know how, and they just possess this otherworldly kind of grace. Whereas Mm -hmm. the the ego is the shouty (laughs) kind of dickhead chauvinist man at the bar that you just want to shut up. Shut up. I think this is where this misconception as well with meditation comes in because people think that they can't silence the ego and they think that's an impossible feat. And the point is not to silence the ego. The point is to uncover and integrate as much of our cosmic self as possible that that's our normal go-to rather than the ego being our normal go-to. It's not to destroy or silence or remove the ego. It's about to recognize it for what it is. And that is, I mean, for me, the ego gives me a lot of information about the world around me, right? Kind of how I was talking to you about my practice to contemplate my thoughts and feelings that are going on in my body. You know, that is the ego operating. There's the ego giving me feedback about the world. But my highest self, I would hope, is a very normal and stable experience. And I do that through, you know, getting out in nature consistently and regularly, meditating consistently and regularly, um, and creating space for me to be able to discover my higher self, discover my truth, discover my cosmic nature, and make that an everyday part of my life so that I can observe my ego, my thoughts, my emotions from like uh, sort of like an observer point of view, I mm. guess, and, and recognize that it's giving me information about things that are going on around me. And you can use them both to guide you. Um, you can use your intuition or your higher self to guide you to make decisions, or you can use your intellect to guide you to make decisions. But um, I think that's when it's the most apparent is what you just said. Yeah. Then if you can, if you, if these concepts are feeling overwhelming, picture a moment where, you've had to make a really important decision in your life. It doesn't matter what Mm. it is, a job, a relationship, doesn't matter, anything, travel. 
and you have these kind of two conflicting sides you can feel, you know, almost the angel and the mm. devil, but not quite. That's just kind of really simplifying it. But that kind of feeling and, and, you, and you were torn between, oh, I really want to do this, but if I do this, then I'm going to disappoint people. But that's what- The minute you say, but you're tapping into the ego. And then you're flicking over, oh, but oh, if I just did this, maybe I should just make that decision because that's going to be the easier one or that's going to be the one that there's less suffering or less pain or that's going to be the one that keeps everyone happy. So that's, that's, I think, a moment, a really- practical moment in your life that everyone's had um, a number of times where you can really feel both of them um, and you know that when you follow your higher self it kind of just feels like you're going home like it feels home within you it does and it feels easier and light and that's what they talk about when you're being in flow or being in alignment when you're in alignment with your higher self you are flowing with the guidance of nature, of the universe, when you, and you're surrendering, right? When you are resisting evolution or the guidance of the universe or the signs that are being put in front of you, then you are stepping into more of you're allowing your intellect or your ego to kind of run the show. And it feels like you're paddling against the flow of life. It feels like you're struggling. It feels like a lot of effort. And it's really like based around control, Ego is about, and intellect is about trying to control the world around you because you don't intrinsically trust that you're supported. Whereas your higher self, which is an extension of God, universe, nature, whatever. Um, whereas, you, yeah, your higher self just trusts that they're supported, trusts that everything is working out, really has a zoomed out view, a big mm. picture view on what's going on. And people will say like, I have moments of that but then I sort of flick into my old self or my small self or you know um and we've got to remember that we've got to part of practice part of our spiritual practice is learning how to normalize and stabilize our higher self experiences because we're kind of introducing something new and it's not going to be like oh bam I know my higher self and so this is my everyday experience and I'm such a failure when I slip into small self or old self where I'm mean or gossiping or whatever. We don't want to judge that. It's such a waste of time. We just want to be aware of it, acknowledge it, and then remember that we are divine cosmic universe nature manifest in a human body oh, and notice, favor that. Notice the triggers perhaps that, that made, and for lack of a better words, that made you relapse or go back to that kind mm-hmm. of egoic small self. So maybe it is being around in certain people or mm-hmm. when you don't feel like you're doing any fulfilling kind of meaningful work or you feel like you're just exhausted and burnt out. They can notice, there are just a few examples, noticing and being aware of the triggers that put you back to that old self that maybe you're ready to grow out of, but still feels like second nature. Um, And another really good practical exercise is to maybe journal two columns and have one and one column saying ego, ego, and the other saying higher self. And you could just journal free, write All the things that your ego wants you to believe or think or would have you be doing? Have you be looking like? Have you be um, achieving? And then in the other column, your higher self and how that really, how that higher self feels when you tap into it and what your higher self would have you doing, saying, believing, um, and then be able to compare the two. And then that's a really, I'm very visual. That's a really great way to be able to, I guess, see in front of you the difference between the two, but then ultimately come to the understanding that it is still all of you. 
that is still yeah, and the list in front it's of you. Still all you? of you. Yeah, it's still all of you. And um, I like that because what it does is it also gets you to look at your own um, response mechanisms or or coping mechanisms. So if you're like, okay, I know I, whenever I do this, I'm operating from ego. And I know when mm. I'm doing this, I'm operating from higher self. So that's actually a really good journal prompt. Uh, a plus sticker for you. Thank you so much. I feel like when I'm being driven by ego, for me, it looks like being really attached to the opinions of others and, and the outcome and the outcome and wanting to be a certain person, because I think if I am that person, I'll be more acceptable, mm. likable. Um, you know, it, it's, it's me thinking at 30, I should have achieved a lot more. Like that will come, that yeah. comes into my mind all the time when you see people. Should, should. Yeah, I should be, shady. wow, I should be doing that. I'm not doing anything like that. Or or maybe being single at 30, it's like, oh, I should, that's not what it's supposed to be. You failed in that area. You won't be happy unless you have that. And then the higher self is like, look at all I these. I see people. it a lot with people even like deciding to have kids. Like, oh, I should, I'm married. I should be having kids. Oh, I've already got one. I should be having another one. That's, that's a social construct speaking, that's not your higher self might decide this is the most evolutionary thing for you to be doing for yourself, for the child and for all universal. You might still make the same decision, but the difference is, is that I should be doing this because this is what I'm told. This is, this is the pattern that's played out through all of humanity. This is what the book Ishmael really, really talks about. It starts to get you to question things that you've just accepted to be true, mm. basically. Um, and it's a lot of yeah. time, like this kind of work is years and years and years of practice. This isn't mm-hmm. like you listen to this podcast and then you go away and you're like, great, I'm going to just listen to my higher self now. Like, I have clients all the time <laughs> that will like work with me. They're like, I'm great now, life's better. <laughs> which it is. And then like three or six, 12 months later, depending on they'll be like, I'm back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting my hand up right now because I fit that exact bill in it. I'm and back. It's, but that's because I think probably, and I've experienced that, then you've probably, it's that feeling of when you've peeled back a layer of mm, conditioning. Freedom. Yeah. And you get to that beautiful, like kind of midpoint where you're like, this midpoint is awesome. I've worked on my shit. I've healed this. I feel this way. Everything just feels so much better. But of course, with spiritual growth, it's never ending. (laughs) And you're supposed to ascend to something higher once again. And to get to that next level takes once again, peeling back all of more conditioning, more subtle conditioning that you might not have even known existed and not known yeah. was there. Um, and you're not ready to have that awareness until you're at that kind of next level. I kind of almost see it as like st- a staircase um, yeah. and getting to the next step is that painful part. And then it's kind of feels really nice once you're on the step. But of course, you know, as we know that that's not, you know, life ebbs and flows. That's how it feels for me right now is I feel like I'm very much dismantling my ego and what it wants me to yeah. think and feel. And that can be a, that can be a catalyst to, for a dark night of the soul, mm-hmm. which is our next topic. So these, these topics blend very effortlessly and that can feel like a bit of an abstract concept, dark night of the soul, if you've not heard it before 
what is, I, I'm, I feel like I'm going through one right now. I learned recently that you can go through many because I went through one last year. So I thought, great, ticked dark. You can go through many. (laughs) Yeah. That's the fun thing. They keep going, but it is that painful um, process of shedding from when you're going from one level I guess, to the next. I mean, it doesn't have to be painful. You can have a dark night of the soul that's not painful. Your pain is only to the degree in which you're resisting it. That's that's the thing. So I have dark night of the soul, but I just go with it. I support myself. I love myself. I see it for what it is. And that's a period of growth, of dismantling, of um, unraveling what you would consider to be something that has been embedded in your identity that is coming undone because it's not relevant anymore. But my first dark night of the soul. (laughs) Yeah. They can be when I had no tools. It's shocking. It is shocking. Good word because you're shocking your system into a new normal Mm -hmm. into a more evolved normal um, and understanding of like what life is and how it should be. But yeah, the first one, man, that fucking, that, that did a number on me. So what can trigger a dark night of the soul? Well, like, let's just, let's just break down exactly what that term is. So dark night of the soul, and according to Dr. Google, Master Google, it's a kind of spiritual depression is what it's described as slash like an existential crisis. And it's what you said a bit earlier that it's bringing awareness to something that an identity or a certain or conditioning that doesn't resonate with you anymore. And you're finally questioning it and you're ready to let it go. And with that can come suffering if you're not, if you, or if it's something that's really attached to you and something that you really hold dear and all of a sudden um, it doesn't feel relevant anymore, that can be painful letting it shed away. Um, so that to me is what a dark night of the soul is. It's, a, I guess, um, uh, uh, Eckhart Tolle described it as a collapse of a perceived meaning in, in life. And that to me is the perceived meaning in life through the lens of the ego. All of a sudden you're not mm-hmm. looking through that lens anymore and suddenly the world looks very different and that can be a it bit It looks unnerving. very different. Yeah. Yep. I would say, um, what was your first dark night of the soul? What triggered yours? Last year, I had a dark night of the soul, which I felt like was my worst one. That's where I felt like I had a full breakdown. And that's where I came back to you being like, help. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting what I think triggered mine. Like, I, I guess you could look at t- my, I had a pretty tough year in 2017, but that was, I guess, my very first one. But it felt so caught up in the chaos of trauma that I wasn't really observant of the lessons as it was happening, as it was unfolding because it was all felt so chaotic. And it wasn't until last year when I declared 2019 as my year, <laughs> a few months later, it was not my year. And I feel um, like you do that every year. <laughs> I, don't, I said about 2022. <laughs> I know. Um, this is definitely my year this year. <laughs> I'll be saying it about 2021. Don't you worry. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, what I find troubling about my dark night of the soul last year, it was triggered by, I saw a, um, a kinesiologist, a healer who did some pretty deep work with me that now I reflect back that they weren't actually qualified to be doing. Mm-hmm. And it was what I now know as trauma or what's it called? Trauma. Trauma, trauma, definitely trauma therapy, trauma trauma therapy, therapy. Uh, trauma immersion therapy. And that's something that should only really be done by a qualified psychologist, um, someone with a lot of qualification, a lot of training. 
And that plunged me into a really dark place because I felt like very unsupported afterwards after taking me, taking me through um, some trauma and then I felt unsupported and then it, um, ignite, it triggered a dark night of the soul. So I can look back at it and see the lessons I learned from it. I can still feel um, a little bit of grievance around why it was triggered, how it was. And I feel like I should have been in a much more safe space to have done that, endured that, but regardless. So that's what triggered it last year. And I remember it was just, um, and I probably fought it a lot because I thought it was supposed to be better by now. My ego told me I should be feeling better and I should be a certain way by then. Um, so that was what my, made my dark night of the soul last year very, very painful. And it was probably mm-hmm. about four or five months of really, like it feels like depression, And that's what people have described it as. It can feel, you know, you are really going really deep and it can be. I think you really question yourself. You're like, what's wrong with me? It's like, why am I thinking like this? Especially if it's your first one. Mm. That was when my thought, I was like, something's wrong with me. I just, I can't. Get out of you know, bed. I, I was I can't just stop thinking about all of these things. I can't crying stop things. Yeah. Or just, just, it just, everything felt too hard. I didn't feel like I was coping and I did. I did think I've got depression. I've, this yeah. is what it feels like. Um, and then it's I very think. It's much a catalyst event, isn't it? Yeah. And episode. you're unraveling and you're letting a lot go. And then the amazing thing is once you're through the end of it, it's like this dark, dark, dark tunnel. It is the most rewarding feeling I've ever felt in my life. And I remember yeah. once I just realized it had been a couple of weeks since I felt so low um, and so depressed and I'm doing depressed in quotation marks. And then all of a sudden you just are so proud of yourself for getting through something and you have really gleaned the lessons and you feel like this yeah. entirely new person. And now I'm back in the dark night of soul. So that's fun. And I think that, <laughs> I think, I think lockdown and everything that's happened with COVID has probably triggered a dark night of the soul for a lot of people, whether they're aware of it or not, because it's made us question, our reality. It's made us question what we attach to. It's made us I mean, question I who we are. People bringing up a lot of um, like starting to really challenge authority. And I think you can really see that because people are waking up to this idea that maybe that there's a different way to be doing things. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to, you know, people aren't attaching to that egoic, egoic having to be doing a million things at once, have to be achieving, have to be, <laughs> you're right. You're about to sneeze. <laughs> I know that's a state. <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> All of a sudden we don't have that att- to attach to because we're working from home. Um, you know, why does it matter if you're driving a really fancy car, if it's just in the driveway and you've got nowhere to drive it because you're in stage four lockdown. So it's making us question all those things. But so I feel very much like I'm dismantling who my ego wants me to be. Um, and that can, that feels a bit unnerving and a bit shocking things that I've built my whole identity and life around all of a sudden aren't serving me anymore. So that's how I feel right now is the somatic therapy this weekend. But you know, (laughs) um, I I think I want to say that I want to say that this is the importance. I hate to be a freaking Vedic meditation preacher, but I'm going to be because this is the importance of a consistent daily practice so that you're unraveling these layers slowly and steady, little bit by little bit, instead of like having these huge shocking events that really bang you because uh, ever since I've been meditating, my unraveling has been very gentle, very nourishing. It's not been without difficulty or challenge or feeling like I need to have 
you know, like a rest day, but the recovery time is much quicker. Um, It doesn't take me completely out of my life experience like my other ones have when I didn't have the proper support around me where I literally could not function. I was literally struggling. That was me last year. And you made me meditate. not cry. Yeah. Mm. Mm. To not cry, to drag my ass out of bed, to eat, to shower, just things like that. The everyday stuff became really, really hard for me because it was just very overwhelming for my physiology to experience this huge unraveling. So yeah. I, have, I have very gentle, I normalize it very easily. I'm able to integrate it through my everyday practice. Um, I love Vedic meditation. Save I think life. that's a good point to make. What are the various things, you know, obviously meditation is a huge one. And that's something when I came to you last April, I was like, help me. I don't know what's happening. You (laughs) said, all right, right. You're meditating twice a day. What are some other things that can really help you support if you're, if if this sounds like you, if you feel like you're going through something like this right now, it might not be super traumatic or heavy, Mm -hmm. but it might feel a shedding. uh, And which, yeah, as again, as, as I said earlier, feels like it's so apt for what's happening in the world right now. It's kind of causing us all to collectively shed. If you are feeling like this, what are some ways to help move with it? Not fight it, but just help it, help it shift with, with, with love and with compassion. I first want to say like what might trigger the dark night of the soul might be a, like a, a life catalyst, you know, like a life event. So it might be giving birth. It might be the breakdown of a relationship, something, something big. So you've built your life to give your life meaning and something has happened to shatter that illusion. And that might trigger a dark night of the soul because then you'll start questioning everything. And that's a good thing. So we've got to recognize it for what it is. Now, things that we can do to support ourselves on an everyday basis so we don't have the same would be things like meditation and daily journaling so that you can explore what you're feeling and become more attuned to things as they're happening rather than just being slapped in the face and like, holy fuck, my world is crumbling to pieces. But while you're in it, if this, if you're having the experience that you're in a dark night of the soul, and then I would say um, getting professional help for one, a psychologist, a life coach, somebody who is able to, give you context for what you're experiencing and help you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm, Cause that can be very um, hard when you're in the thick of it. It doesn't feel like you'll ever. It's very lonely. Out. Yeah. And it doesn't. Um, so I would say having someone that you can talk to about what you're experiencing and giving you some context and giving you some understanding and giving you some tools to move through that would be so beneficial. Even if it's a mentor, if you can't afford a therapist, having someone that you really trust, trust to hold yeah. space for you. Uh, that would be one thing, resting deeply. So um, as much as possible, trying to clear your social calendar. This is another thing I did with you as well. I was like, you need to stop saying yes to mm. going out and drinking and stuff like that because, A, that's an avoidant technique to keep mm. yourself busy and it's just going to actually prolong it. And it did. But, um, <laughs> and it, it did. did. Yep. Um, but also, B, your body needs to be able to recover because it is your system is being shocked. And so if you're continuing to go on as life is normal and you're you're resisting it basically because you're not acknowledging and accepting and it's happening for you. So resting as much as you can, trying not to do so much, getting out in nature. Um, What other things could you do? I think journaling is really powerful, underestimated tool, really talking about talking yourself through your own experiences 
Um, this environment, if you're in Melbourne in, or, you know, in New Zealand now in lockdown too, is so conducive to the perfect conditions to really feel it and move through it as well, because we don't have the distraction of someone's birthday. Yeah, forced rest. Up. It's yeah. forced rest. It really is. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, when it can feel really tough getting through this period in our life collectively, it is, you know, I think we're all going to come out of this in a few months. Mm-hmm. And just feel like entirely new people. And so, you know, once you've been through it, can you talk us through um, how, how do you know you're through it firstly? And I guess what, why we go through it in the first place, what do we learn? Why, how do we then integrate those learnings into just life? Okay. Well, think about like, literally, I want you to literally imagine the dark night of the soul and what follows a dark night, right? The sun rises, the sun rises again. And it brings with it the lightness of a new day and uh, the promise of a new day and a fresh start. And so you can really um, take that meaning and bring it into your experience. By, I mean, how I felt when I was out the other side is I just felt like I could see. I could see I was no longer ignoring and I could see what I had been ignoring and I was choosing not to ignore it anymore. Um, it feels lighter feels like you've kind of shed a bit of a weight off of your soul, off of your mind, whatever it is. Um, Sometimes people dip into that thing where they then become very evangelical about it. Like, oh, you need to do this and you need to do that. And I'm meditating and blah, 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 blah. Um, In the beginning, but that you soon lose that the more that you sort of start to integrate. But I think integration is really integration for me is really trying not to do too much and allowing the process to really happen naturally, trying not to keep ourselves in a state of busyness, which then causes stress, which then burdens the body and the physiology and the mind and the soul so that they're not able to integrate its experience. I don't think you need to really do anything particular. I think maintenance with your spiritual, sorry, your like therapy, not needing to go every week, maybe going every fortnight or every month, um, being consistent with your spiritual practices and stuff like that is all all very helpful. But I think once you're through it, you just, you see, you can see, Mm, mm. you see the truth. You're not, yeah, you're not living in ignorance is not bliss. Mm. I love doing when I'm in a really, maybe in the thick of it, plunging into the freezing ocean nothing makes you feel more alive than plunging into the ocean and you can feel every cell buzzing and it is yeah. just feels like renewal yeah that's good and the most um i guess tangible way of feeling like you're almost rebirthing like you're just coming out of yeah. something is when you come out of cold water so i highly recommend that even though it's winter but you know I think it's good. Something that I experienced post my um, dark night of the soul was just like spontaneous happiness, just like being happy (laughs) for no reason. And I was like, this is so weird, you know, so weird to be happy for no reason at all. I can't attach it to anything. It's just, I would feel like I'd just be walking down the street with my son, not doing, going, doing shopping, running errands. And I'm like, I feel so good. And this is. And a more refined (laughs) sense of appreciation for might not have noticed before like um oh my god have the birds always been 
singing like that every day or noticing, you know, the way that the wind blows through the trees or how the sun, like you just have a more subtle awareness of things going on around you. And that gets better and better. The more you shed, the more you're able to tune into these things and have more spontaneous, you know, um, bubbles of joy just sort of come up out of nowhere. It's, it's, and that's where you start to unravel inner fulfillment. And it's a process. I mean, I'm five years Oh God, five years deep into my journey. And it happens. It doesn't, it, like the length of time, I don't know why I said five years because the length of time is irrelevant. It's the amount of resistance that you have. I have almost no resistance to any of my um, challenging experiences in life. And I, and I always have a zoomed out view and that's been a real blessing for me. That's also practice, you know, practicing letting mm. go, practicing surrender that's what actually propels your spiritual spiritual journey, not I've been meditating for 20 years. Well, it doesn't matter. If you can't surrender to your experience, then you could be meditating for 20 years and not getting anywhere. Yeah. What a beautiful, beautiful way to finish, I reckon. Yeah. I'm happy. That feels like... Spontaneously happy. <laughs> My death card feels very relevant to this conversation. But, you know, if you're going through it, you know, knowing that there's a light up at the end of the tunnel, it's all going to be all right. Ushering it in is. new things, ushering in new patterns, new experiences, new people, a new way of life. And that's so exciting. So thank you so much for your time once again. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Loved it. Loved every minute. I hope you all got something out of it. Thank you, darling. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Juice with Moni Barry, and I hope you liked it and got something out of it. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can find Moni at Monique Barry underscore. As always, you can find me at Elizabeth O'Neill. And I know I say it every week, but if you have a spare minute, I'd be so appreciative if you could hit five stars, leave a review and hit subscribe. That helps boost the podcast and will mean it'll land in the earphones of people who perhaps really need it. So I'd be very, very, very appreciative. Have a wonderful rest of the week. I'll be back on Thursday with another midweek squeeze. Can't wait to chat then. Bye, guys. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.